Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. I didn't have a playbook starting out. I had to learn everything the hard way. The good news is you don't have to. Great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Let's get to work. Um, and that's because I don't like to do the whole big intro and everything, you know? Um, and I will do it at, at, at some point, but I want it to be casual at first, you know? And so, uh, and then this one, I'm not going to have an intro at all because, you know, I can't introduce every single one of you, right? But I, I will tell you, you guys will all be credited as a uh, podcast contributor, you know what I mean? So a little thing to put towards building your machine, right? And uh, you can all say you've been on a podcast now, right? All right, so let's walk through this. So after I joined execs and I started spending time around all these high-level producers, I mean, yes, imposter syndrome and all that stuff, right? But then I started realizing they started asking me the same questions about building sales teams, you know, about how to train them. How's this script look? You know what I mean? That type of stuff. And... I, I realized that I was the one in the room that was an expert in this niche, right? And so after a while, um, I realized there might be something there, right? They, why would I build an authority? You know, I, mean, I recruit entry-level salespeople, you know what I mean? And they come off of an Indeed ad, and they barely even search the company. You know what I mean? They just click apply, and all of a sudden someone's calling them, and they're in our office interviewing, right? And so what I realized after a while is like, hey, there's an opportunity in consulting, you know, especially some of these high-level entrepreneurs that want to get out of their business and have somebody else start selling. So when I really dialed in on it was when I decided to, to pay $6,500 to get on the plane with Ryan and do a mastermind in the sky. And if you have not done that yet, I would en encourage you to do it. The ROI is just insane on those trips, you know. It's not just about what you learn, it's about the relationships you make, you know? And, and I'll be honest, that first trip, I barely even talked to Ryan. It, but I had J like Jacob Stoller sitting next to me, Anthony Hudson sitting across from me. Like the people that are playing on that, paying to be on that plane uh, are people that you need to have a relationship with in, in general, that caliber of person, right? And so the trip that I went on was this trip to New Jersey and they were doing a one day consulting for Got Credit, Ryan's, one of Ryan's individual coaching clients, uh, Jose Rodriguez, for a hundred grand. One day. And they got Ryan, they got Thomas, they got Truby, and uh, yeah, they got me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm messaging Ryan back and forth, and you know, because at that time you went through him for the plane trips, right? And uh, I was like, well, I don't have anything to do in Jersey. I have no desire, you know, to uh, go sightseeing or anything like that. Like, what are you guys doing? Is there an event you're talking at? I'll buy a ticket to the event. I'll go support you or whatever. And he was like, no, we have a consulting client there. I was like, okay, cool. Do you need someone to hold a camera? Like, do you need someone to carry your freaking bag? Like, I just wanna be in the room. Cause I know I wanna do consulting eventually, right? And so he's like, hey, we'll find something for you. You know what I mean? And uh, I just assumed that if you weren't with his group that you shouldn't be in, you know, in the consulting, right? And so uh, he came back to me a couple days later. He's like, you do sales, right? I was like, yeah, I do a little bit, right? 
He's like, have you ever sold credit repair? And I'm like, or have you ever, do you think you can consult on how to sell credit repair? I said, I used to sell it when I was 21. Isn't it weird how the universe lines that stuff up? And uh, he was like, great. You think you can do a sales training for me? Like, what? <laughs> I'm going to do a sales training that you're consulting for the hardcore closer. How is that going to work? And I mean, I like, absolutely, I said yes right away, and then I freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, I know this guy's paying six figures for consulting and me, right? And so um, immediately, so I, I had, again, the universe lines things up. So I had already signed up for credit repair with Got Credit a couple months ago. I knew what they did. I knew exactly what they did. I used to sell it, right? And so... I signed up with them, and so I knew one of the sales guys, obviously. So I called the sales guy, and I immediately was like, hey, what's your process? What's your script? You know what I mean? And then I started breaking things down on how I could adapt everything that I had done in door-to-door and B2B, all that, into this business. You know what I'm saying? And guys, I took them the 1.0 stuff, because immediately I realized they didn't have it. They were selling on, hey you're a salesman, I'm going to hire you because you're outgoing extrovert and you talk fast. You know what I mean? They didn't have any foundation of skills that may, uh, helped them with their ability to sell over the phone. But what did they have? They had a rainmaker in Jose that made their job fucking easy. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. And so um, and it's the same thing with uh, the break free guys at um, Ryan's office. Like he makes their job easier because the machine that he's built, you know, so they didn't have a lot of the 1.0 stuff. And so I, I, I took that in there with them. I had a presentation just like this, you know what I mean? And I had my research, I had their script before I went in, and I walked them through all those uh, tactics and you know, basically improving people's lifestyle versus selling them on your product, right? And you guys are probably familiar with a lot of that stuff. And so it went really well. I had them up role playing, you know what I'm saying? And so. A week later, you know, we sent in our after action reports. It's basically a report saying, hey, this is what you need to do moving forward based on the experience I had with your team. And uh, Jose reached out to me probably personally like three or four times afterwards, like asking me this and that and how to execute on this. And then he just sent me a video three weeks ago that his customer service team was role playing with each other on how to deal with angry customers. You know what I mean? And then I'm big on role playing. Uh, we, my guys role play every single day. And so it was just a really cool experience. And then, you know, obviously I got validation from Drew. I got validation from Ryan because they said I knocked it out of the park, you know. And so that kind of is what spawned Argenta Consulting. And so we have our AT&T business that Justin runs. We have uh, our solar business that Wayne is running. A lot of you have met Wayne. Awesome dude. And he's on 75 Hard right now, by the way, which is really cool. Like, Anyways, uh, and then, uh, of course, we have our consulting business, and the next thing I want to start is Argenta Investments, right? And it's a way for our company to invest in certain things together. And all it is is a marketing piece. We'll have an LLC for each individual investment. But just to kind of walk you through my history, like I said, we got Argenta Solar. On the AT&T side, uh, we spent 12 years in that space. We're still in it, direct sales. We've won national awards from them. Uh, we were a top uh, five AT&T dealer in 14 and 15, and we were always known for our quality. Our cancel rate was the lowest. We, were never, we never had the biggest numbers because we weren't from Utah, and we didn't have all the Mormons knocking for us. 
<laughs> and uh, and uh, on the AT&T side, we've done 30 million in commissions over those 12 years. And uh, you know, the thing about a sales organization, if you're doing it properly, right? You're counting, those numbers are commissions, true commissions. They're not the, the sale price of the solar system. Because that sounds real good, right? That's $60,000, $100,000 per system. And then I can say, oh, we did 10 million in sales this year. You know what I mean? That's not real, you know, because you're not getting anything from the production side of the business. You are a sales company, so you need to be counting sales numbers. So that's a big deal for, for us. Those are some of the clients that we've done uh, sales for. And they were mainly those uh, Fortune, Fortune 10 clients, you know. So this is kind of, whenever I decided I was going to consult, I was like, I need a platform to put this on. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. I've gone from being a heavy integrator in my 20s to being a, a visionary in my 30s. The system that I use is, is Kodak, right? And uh, Kodak is somewhat easy to remember. And it can be very, okay. <laughs> you wanted some love. So I'm going to try to go through this as fast as I can with you guys because I want to get into the Q&A, which is really the meat and potatoes of any podcast, right? And so um, you already started on your end? You're good. Okay. So Kodak is compensation, opportunity, development, and operations culture, right? So these are these is basically when I used I had 13 offices at one point, and I visited two to three offices per month uh, for my sales team. And I didn't know it yet, but this is the system I used whenever I went into an office and I would audit it, right? And so the first piece of the system is compensation. I guess I have to make sure that I didn't just screw that up. Um, the first piece of the system is compensation. Okay, when you walk into an office and when you talk to a rep, when you talk to the leaders in the organization, does everybody know what the compensation is at every level? And so in order to know, you know what the compensation is at, a, at an entry level, at a mid-level, and at a leadership level, then it's got to be simple. Okay? Sometimes we overcomplicate our comp plans. You know what I mean? And a new person coming in doesn't understand the business, so when you tell them, you know, hey, you're getting paid 50 cents a kilowatt, you know what I mean? They don't know what that means, right? And so I want all of my comp plans, and, and the, I want to adapt a lot of this to just building teams in general, you know what I'm saying? Staff, operations, all that stuff, because it really does apply across the board. You know, whenever, uh, you know, Lori's speaking at an event, or, um, you know, Jessica, uh, Ryan, Thomas, a lot of this stuff I've inserted their nuggets into to beef it up, right? And they're, they, they may be talking about uh, how they excel in their relationship with their significant other, but I can see how I can use that piece to help build my sales team, right? So my favorite thing is one sheeters. It's a big deal. <laughs> if you can fit the compensation on one sheet, you can show them how to make 100 grand, you're in good shape. You know what I'm saying? And if it's, if it's your staff or anything like that, then the opportunity piece is where you're gonna really excel with them, right? So they'll, they come into the business for the compensation, but they stay for the opportunity, okay? That's a quote that I've used for 12 years now <laughs> because it, it's very true. When somebody comes to work for you and they sit across that desk from you, it is to get paid. They are not, they want to pay their bills, right? 
especially in an in a, in a interview and then especially in an, inter, in an entry level position, right? But the way we're gonna keep them is we're gonna give them an actual opportunity. If you have someone working for you right now that has no path to the, to the next step that you haven't explained the vision to, it's the same thing with your family. If they don't know why you're working all those hours, how are they supposed to get behind you and support that if you don't explain it to them and show them, right? So you gotta do the same thing with your people, whether it's sales or operations. And so uh, my opportunity structures are, are, are very simple. It typically starts with an entry-level salesperson like in solar. It's an appointment setter, right? And, uh, and then the appointment setter has a path to get to closer, right? Or they have a path to get to manage appointment setters. You know what I mean? So it's not always a linear path. You might be able to find something else for them that is more lateral and that they have more, are more passionate about. You know, helping people just like them. Uh, make money over the next 90 days and get them set up to become a closer, right? And so a few things in the, the opportunity structure, it doesn't always have to be title, right? Uh, you may have a very small company and it may not be about title, maybe about, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do appointment setting and then you're going to be able to do closing someday, right? Or I'm going to teach you how to do residential real estate and then I'll show you how to do an, uh, an apartment complex deal if you make this many numbers. And that's the thing, it's gotta be clear cut, right? You gotta tell them, hey, if you can hit this benchmark, right, then we can, then we can talk about you selling a higher end product, a higher commission product, you know what I mean? Something a little more diverse or a little, with a little more opportunity for you. Some people are just gonna be in sales their whole life and you can keep them, you know, because what happens too often is a salesperson hits a peak at a company and then they, they start looking around because they're bored now. They hit the peak, they're the best, they've been the best every year, and now they're bored. You know, so how are you going to challenge them? You know, so one of the things I did is we used to have, uh, you remember Glenn Brignier? He was the best, best salesperson at our company. You know what I mean? He had some problems, so he never really got into leadership because he couldn't lead other people because he had his own problems going on. But I was still able to maintain him for five years because I sent him on the road to go train other people how to sell because he was the best seller in our company. You know what I mean? So I invented a position called the traveling trainer and he was happy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he got to go to different markets, got to do what he loves, which is sell and teach other people how to do it. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the hardest things for us to do is to put people in the right seat, right? And so that was his additional opportunity, but you know you can feel it when they get stagnant, you've gotta create something else for them, right? And so the next piece of that is development. Uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys and I know you're constantly investing in training for your people, uh, but if you can't, if you're not at that level where you can go and pay you know, 10 grand to put together this system and maybe it's a real estate course, you know what I mean? Maybe it's a sales course, whatever the case is, all you have to do because you are an apex is take what you learn in apex and immediately apply it to your business. So like development's a big one right now that kind of goes hand in hand with culture. And so like one of the ways that we're developing our people is we're holding them accountable to the G code. Justin, how many points you got on G code for this week? <laughs> he just started three weeks ago, right? And we've got, I think four people in our company that are on 75 hard right now. And so uh, one of the things that, uh, I'll, wait, I'll wait for it for culture. 
But on the development side, you've got to invest in your people and developing in them into their positions. Like, uh, for instance, uh, you know, Shannon Killian, she did our operations. Uh, she did payroll, and she was really good at recruiting, but she wasn't happy doing recruiting. She wanted to sit behind a computer all day and play with spreadsheets or play with software. That was her passion, right? So we put her in courses for to become a Salesforce. I forgot what they call them. You know what I mean? All she does is contract for us now, but uh, we were able to develop her that way. And now we have the lowest contracting fee that she charges, thankfully. <laughs> so, but that, that's the whole thing is like, don't be afraid to, to develop your people out of the company too, right? Because if you have a company that isn't afraid to give them that value and then have them go on and do great things for themselves, how many more people will be fighting to get in their position because you did that for them? And that, that's how your company operates. You know, I've had guys uh, go on and start their own dealerships, and they're still my friends today. You know, I spent my uh, birthday with Ralph Ramon last year, and he has his own dealership now with several different organizations, you know? Um, and he was my first, one of my first hires. And I got, a, I got another guy that won a, bracelet, a World Series of Poker bracelet, you know? I got other people that have gone on and started their own businesses. They've gone on to other companies and, and done amazing things. And all they are is testimonies for me uh, to recruit with. You know what I mean? Um, operations is a big one. You know, we talk about operations a lot in here and in Apex in general. All the sales in the world don't matter if you can't fulfill them, right? We can make 100 solar sales tomorrow, but can we fulfill them? Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you've got to make sure that on the operations side, like for me, since I'm a sales org, I don't deal with the operations, but I deal with the people that deal with the operations, right? I only hire installers that I trust and that I know are going to stay up till two in the morning and be on a roof to get those solar panels installed because they told the customer it would be that day. You know what I mean? So you have to make sure that if you're going to build out this system for your salespeople or build out the system for your operations team that you can actually fulfill the product of the customer and get everybody paid. You know what I mean? And, and too many people do sales, 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 and they forget about operations. And now they can't fulfill them, you know, which is a huge deal. So the last and the most important piece is culture. So I've kind of, well, what I want to talk to you guys about on the culture side, I've kind of changed this, not changed it, but I don't really talk to clients about this as much, but it's, uh, so I was in, I was in Cabo like a month ago, right? And um, it, it is, it's a lot of what we've been talking about today. You can't force people to change, right? You know, and I've been doing all this growing and developing and everything, and Thomas Keene talks about it all the time. You know, you, you start here, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your business partner, you know what I mean, whether it's your staff, your sales team, doesn't matter. You start here, you all start together, you all are on this path, and then you start developing yourself, you join Apex, you start doing all this cool stuff, and then all of a sudden you're here and you're wondering why they're not with you. You know what I'm saying? And so there's two things there. One, you've got to incorporate Apex and everything you're doing in development into your culture as soon as you learn about it. Because what happens if I learn about G-Code and I immediately incorporate it into my company? Who's gonna make sure they fill out their G-Code app every day? Because I just made myself accountable to my company. You know what I'm saying? And there have been, I'm on phase one, day four. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, 
every time I think about, eh, it's not a big deal, I, I quit 75 hard six times, I know I've got four people in my company that are with me on this journey and I've got to finish phase one because they're on 75 hard. You know, who am I if I'm not leading them in that fight, right? And so we were in Cabo a month ago and Ryan, just like this, just like we're doing now, uh, asked everybody, what's your big ass problem? Right, write it down, think about it, and then when we come back after lunch, the group as a whole will figure out how to solve it, you know? And of course, Ryan spent the whole time solving everybody's problems, but um, the, the group contributed too. Um, and so I told him that my issue is I've spent 10 years recruiting entry-level salespeople, teaching them how to sell, you know what I mean? And at times I had a culture that would keep them, but you know, I'd often lose them because it was their first sales job. And are any of you working in your first sales job anymore? <laughs> so you can see where I'm going with that. A lot of turnover, right? And it usually happened around six to eight months because they acquired the skills and then they found someone else that offered them more commission or moved or whatever the case was, right? And so I, I was tired of the entry, you know, that, that, uh, that revolving door, right? And I said, how do I, how do I recruit more elite salespeople? And what he said to me is you need to be the example. Okay. If you're the example of what they want to be, if you do the things that uh, you need to do, which is G code 75 hard, which is uh, uh, be the example in your marriage, be the example in as a father, you know what I'm saying? At, one of those things is going to resonate with them and they're going to want part of that. Right. And then, yeah, you got to build your machine. You got to share it on your podcast, social media, all that stuff, right? And then you're going to be able to recruit those people. Well, the same thing works in leadership, right? Even if you're not recruiting, you got to be the example for your company. You got to be the one all over those apps, all over those accountability things, and then sharing that with your company along the way. So, you know, obviously each one of these things has like 10 things that I walk my clients through. And I make sure that, honestly, my forte is the initial building of the sales team, right? Laying out the program and then giving them basically a folder with everything in it that they can execute on, right? Which is all of these things right here, things like comp plans, opportunity structures, uh, training videos, scripts, all that, all that stuff. And that's kind of what I've done over the last couple months. And it's been working out really well. I'm really excited about what my clients are doing and everything. And so um, that's, that's kind of it. So what I wanted to do next is just like we did before lunch, you know, but obviously it's, it's centered around building your teams. You know, so if you've got a story about an employee that you kept at the company too long and they became a cancer, share it. You know what I'm saying? If you've got a question about uh, how to structure compensation, or how do I even put together a script? You know what I mean? In any, anything in that arena. Um, but I'm also not afraid of stuff that's not related to building sales teams either. So like I said, just like we were before, let's, let's open it up and kind of talk about this type of stuff. I got you. Hey, Doug, thank you for having this conversation. It's great. Uh, Lori Wren here. I own an industrial supply company and I've got a bunch of outside salespeople. Typically, we have a straightforward compensation plan with a price book, and the sales team is paid off the price book, varying commissions, depending on how much they've sold for that month. 
Well, we can't keep up with the the price book and the commissions we pay because the supply chain and, and the cost of goods right now, raw materials, are skyrocketing. So we're constantly having to update price, constantly having to update our price to continue to pay the same commission. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is pay off of profit, but we've been doing it the same way for so long that my fear is that people will freak out, like freak out and and not and not understand. So I don't know how to. I don't know how to present it properly. Mm-hmm. It's because it's a massive change in someone's pay. Right. Even though it's not, it'll be much more consistent. It gives everybody on the team, if they give a discount, they don't have to worry about the, all the factoring and the too much detail. Right. They'll just know, okay, we're getting this percentage of whatever we sell of the profit. So they'll know mm-hmm. our cost, our landed cost. Yeah. And then they'll, whatever they sell above that, they'll get a person. I am just stuck on how do I present this to the team. And my, my personal fear is we've gone through two years of hell, mm-hmm. meaning supply chain, uh, not invoice it. We couldn't invoice, we couldn't fulfill, we couldn't invoice. So people couldn't get paid to where the sales team is so stressed and your salespeople can go anywhere. And our company, the book of business would go with them because we are selling the same customers every single month. It's not a one and done. We right. sell our clients for a lifetime. Yeah. So that's where I get stuck in my head. So what are your thoughts? So one of my favorite terms to use, uh, especially when I'm explaining commissions to my salespeople, is gross profit. So to me, the kind of how I structured it, and and people talk about this differently, so this may not be correct in a business management class, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I like the term gross profit because that, that says what gets profited after the salesperson gets, after the salesperson gets paid. So what I always tell them is, okay, we get our commission, right? We get, you know, and in, in, in solar, it's a little different, but at the end of the day, we're getting paid a commission for the, for the deal, right? Let's just say that commission's 10 grand. The way that we operate is we pay out 65% to the sales force, okay? So we run off of a 35% gross profit, okay? And, I, you know, your numbers may be similar. I always find that they end up working out that way. And so... um you know, what I would do is I'd take that 65% and do you have management on your sale on the, the sales side? I'd break out a certain amount for the management, which is, you know, typically anywhere from five to 10%, nothing crazy about 18% of the total uh, piece that the sales force is getting paid. Cause you always want to protect your margins or else there is not going to be a company left. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, that's the best way to do that, to pay out, not just on profit, but gross profit. This is what I'm allotting for the sales force. You know what I mean? So this is your dollar. Okay. And then you pay out based on that dollar. And so there's going to be a lot of research that goes into it for you to decide what that dollar is. You need to know, okay, this is the cost of my product. This is uh, uh, the cost of my operations. And then this is my net profit, right? And this is, I'm not telling you anything you don't know already. But once you figure out what that number is percentage wise, then you can allot a percent to the sales force. You know what I mean? And that that's how I would handle it. Did anybody else have any thoughts on that? Will their pay get lower, do you think, if they go profit by by your new model? Lori? Uh, I- <laughs> uh, well, it shouldn't. I'm going to set it up so it will not go lower. The benefit will be 
that if they discount or right now they're like, we have some contracts where we can't keep up with the, the cost of product right now. Right. So, so we are, the sales team is taking a cut in their commission. Everybody's mm-hmm. taking a cut. Yeah. So then at least they would know when they were taking the cut, um, what, what they were getting is right now they're trusting me to say, Hey, well, the price has gone up or that we just raised it. Right. So it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not as transparent because there's, there's so much fluctuation right now. Mm-hmm. So to your, to your question, Alex, no, it, it, it won't change their commission. They may even make more. They'll just, it's just so new. Right. And that's my biggest concern is the new. Yeah. And with, with something new, you always want it to be like, used a good word earlier, transparent. And that's in my breakdown when we talk about compensation is it needs to be completely transparent. So one sheet, you know what I mean? We sold a product, you know, our, our uh, gross profit on this product is a dollar, 35 cents goes to the organization. 65 cents is yours. Your piece of that is 40 cents, you know what I'm saying? Or 40%, right? And, and so that they know, and you don't even have to put at the percentage point, you don't even have to put the product on there anymore. They just need to know the percentages. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, obviously this is digital, but they should be able to have some type of uh, calculator that they can put the product into, and it gives you the calculation there. So how often are your products fluctuating? Are you ordering in mass? Is it daily? We Well, we order in mass. Mm-hmm. Now I'm keeping a much larger supply. It used to be, you know. Right. Yep. Ordered uh, ordering on time when you needed it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I, I'm carrying about three to four months worth of product, but oh, it's beautiful. It, it can it can change, and not every product because I don't mm-hmm. have enough space. Uh, it but it can change every single time I place an order. That's how crazy yeah. every market is right now. I, I mean, my company is not unique. Yeah, and so I would I would say, uh, and, and the whole thing is to set it up before and lay it out to them and help them understand. Okay. It's not just about, okay, I get paid on this commission on this product. It's about uh, every month the, the commissions are going to get updated. And, and here's the whole thing, and this is customers and salespeople. They don't mind negatives. What they don't like is negative surprises. That's the worst. They want to know what they're getting paid. When it comes out, they want to be able to calculate it in their head. And they want to be able to add up that compensation throughout the week. You know, and if they can't do that, then it makes it very hard for them to stay motivated, you know, and money's just the first motivation, right? But it is an important one. And so I would definitely, so my comp plans change every quarter. Every salesperson knows that. You know what I mean? It says it right on there. Q1, 22, Q2, 22, Q3, right? And so because, you know, your most popular products, you're able to to stock for three or four months, but you got the, some of the ones that aren't as popular is probably a, a month. I would say, you know, January 22 and just be honest and upfront about it. This is what we're dealing with. Maybe next year we can go to quarterly. And then after that, it can be by annual that our, our, our compensation changes. Absolutely. I've never been in a sales job where the commission didn't change. It's, it's part of, it's part of the beast. You know what I'm saying? So no matter, no matter what, Back on the mic. No matter what, I think as a, as a, as a sales rep, and I've been doing it for twelve years. It does it suck? Yes, but it's like a band aid. Everyone gets eventually gets over it. You know what I mean? And, and that first little bit, and just like he's saying, as long as you're transparent with them, let them know. I mean, I think we everyone who reads the news understands kind of what's going on with supply chain stuff. You know what I mean? And so, again, just like he says, as long as you're just kind of upfront and honest about it, with a lot of times, 
you know what I mean? It's, it's almost as a thing as a sales rep, I expect my commissions are going to change. You know what I'm saying? And so, and if they're changing for the better too, there's going to be always the one or two people who are going to give you a hard time about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like making sure, you know, when you talk to your leadership first, get them all on board and then they can influence the rest of the people. So you had mentioned discounts earlier. And so if they're giving out discounts and there's no market reason for it, or there's no, like something happened. So you know, we have to price it lower. Um, then, then I make them eat that. Like if you're giving out a discount, you're basically saying, Hey, my time is not worth as much. Not, not my personally, but the salesperson's time is they're saying their time is not worth as much. And so they're giving the customer a discount to get the sale. When we know that the best salespeople don't have to give out discounts, you know what I mean? And so, um, now, okay. Like in the solar world, you know, they have that ability. They can give the customer a thousand, they can give the customer 2000, right? But if they give the customer 2000, that extra thousand is coming from their commission. The thousands built into our margins. But what, what happens sometimes the, the customers need an upgrade to their panel, right? Okay. We can't control that. You know what I'm saying? They can't control that. So we split that expense with them. You know what I'm saying? So I think because I'm assuming your opportunity, your development, your operations, your culture's on point. Um, because days. you're, yeah, most <laughs> days, right? That, like Alex said, you know, change is part of the game, right? A, a part of the sales game. And salespeople hate change, but they can't get away from it. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as the rest of that stuff is on point, when you do change your commissions, there's a lot of trust there. You know what I mean? And I, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're not going to have any issues with that. But again... The, the fun, the fun part is figuring out what is that percentage, you know what I mean? And if I'm selling as many products as you are, then I probably have an idea of it already, you know? And so just giving them a flat percentage of everything that they, a uh, percentage of profit of it on everything that they sell. And so they'll, they'll figure out those numbers real quick once it, they realize their commission depends on it. <laughs> All of a sudden they become math wizards when it comes to commissions, you know what I mean? So, thank you for your question. Oh, <laughs> that's the first time I had clapping on a podcast. That's cool. Let's keep doing Big that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw uh, Josh. You raised your hand earlier. I was going to make a comment about it. Oh, okay. The the mic's right there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just I've I've been through this recently about where we had to change a compensation uh, for a sales rep. And uh, basically, we, we identify, okay, I just need to be clear with them in communication. Here's the problem. Here's the reason why it's a problem. And here's the cost of us continuing this problem, okay? And basically, they were getting paid a percentage, and that doesn't work. It's not scalable in, in, this, in this regard. That percentage was not scalable for us. So we had to switch it to a flat fee instead. And so what we had to do there is we painted the picture of, Here's how you're getting compensated for XYZ sales. Here's how you'll get compensated in the future. It's pretty much the same. It's just easier for us to track. And, and we're just, I'm just demonstrating this on that one sheet, the one pager. Like, this is the difference. Here's your new agreement. Sign here. And zero issues. And he, he brings up a good point. Um, that, that transparency is huge. Um, oh, I don't know where I was going with that. We'll cut that out. 
communication Good job. is key. Right? Yeah, communication is key. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else have any questions? Some of you guys are in real estate. Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. This better be a softball. <laughs> All the dirt's coming out. Uh, Ryan, I can't see him. So how many of you guys have sales teams? Quite a few. So one of the things that we deal with, and I've had many talks with Doug about, is we have a lot of young salespeople. They have a lot of distractions. How do we keep, how do we keep them focused in spite of all the distractions? I mean, something as simple as, you know, oh, I'm moving this week or I'm, I'm moving this month or, you know, a, a car breaks down for three days and suddenly that turns into three weeks of bad sales. I mean, so many things can affect, affect them. And it's like the moment you get somebody right where you want them, they're doing well, they're on a good, a good streak, boom. This one little thing happens and takes all of that progress away. So how are, what are some ways that we've talked about and maybe that can benefit mm-hmm. other people in the room as to how we can keep them focused because they're always going to have distractions. Something's always going to come up, but how do we condition them to not fall off when these things happen? So the tough thing about sales is staying consistent. It's an emotional game, right? And consistency is a muscle that we have to constantly work and it, and it's so difficult to work it. And I found that when you're consistent in everything else, it's a lot easier to be consistent in your sales. And so um, one of the things that we've started doing and that I literally uh, presented the guys with two days ago in, in Houston was G-Code. You know, I'm going to keep going back to this. You're, you guys are seeing some themes here, right? And I, and I didn't have these tools before, so I'm so excited about them now, even though it's the first time I'm ever using, using them. And so keeping the main thing, the main thing is hard, especially when you're going through life changes and stuff like that, like our, our guy Zach is, right? And so it becomes a culture thing, right? If someone, if somebody has completed 75 hard, they've had everything possible thrown at them in life for 75 days, and then they still completed 75 hard, right? So that if that becomes part of the culture, I think we're going to see the car breaking down is nothing. You know what I mean? It's an Uber drive to turf and then maybe I'm, I'm hooking up with another rep or another salesperson or another phone. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make my calls today. You know what I'm saying? The same way I'm going to write down my five things I'm grateful for. I'm going to work out. I'm going to make sure I eat right. I'm going to list my wins for the day. You create those disciplines. You flex that consistency muscle. You know what I mean? And then you teach your guys to do it too. You teach your realtors to do it too. So one of the, the, one of the ways that we, we do it as well and this works for me because now we're going to start doing it in MDU um, is, a, is a baseball card. So a baseball card is one of my favorite tools to use in door-to-door, and we can absolutely use it in MDU too. And um, so the, the baseball card is, is very simple. It works off of averages. And we all know baseball, right? If you're batting 300, you're pretty decent. If you're batting 400, you're hitting it out of the park, right? And so what that's based on on the sales side is at the top level, is contacts, right? If you're knocking on doors, it's how many people or how many doors you knock on, right? If you're making phone calls, it's how many phone calls you make, right? And then uh, after that, it's it's people that actually talk to you. 
right? People that actually answer the phone, people that actually answer the door. And then it's uh, conversations, right? And then it's full pitches. And then it's, uh, after that, it's uh, no's. And then credit fails and sales, right? And so where you start that percentage, where you start that average is at the full pitch. If you're able to get your through your full pitch, that's a full presentation, right? And so now, and then obviously how many people you close is your batting average. So if you have 10 presentations and you close three people, you're batting 300. And so what we have is a, a baseball card is Monday through Friday or however many days they work. And then you go through all those numbers and you have them log all those numbers. You know what I'm saying? And that works on their consistency because they know, hey, I bat 300 right now. So I have to give, not knock on 100 doors. I have to give 10 full presentations today. And that's going to give me the amount of uh, presentations I need to close three deals. And then that, that's how I can hit my target. You know what I'm saying? If it's 100 grand and three deals a day gets me, you know, $300 a day, that's $2,100 a week. That's 100 grand a, a month. And that's how you can reverse engineer those numbers. And so if their car breaks down, they know all I have to do is talk to 10 people today. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how I do it, how I pull it off. I know I have to talk to 10 people because that's my average to close through deals. So that the culture piece is one of the ways I would approach it. And then the tactical piece with the, the baseball card. And so we need to start doing that in MDU is what I'm realizing. Cause you have, so one of the things we do is uh, what I call it a scope of work. Right. What does their day look like from the time that they start work to the time that they end work? And what are the numbers they need to be hitting along that day? You know what I'm saying? And what does that position completely look like? So they know going into it, this is what you need to do every day to be successful. And they have a roadmap to follow. Now, once they once they get more experience, they're going to be able to adjust that. You know what I mean? Uh, Depending on their skill level and everything. But when you have all these things in place in front of them, that they're able to look at and they're on one sheet. So they're simple, you know, you can, you can absolutely execute on those, you know, and, and it, it works for everything. It works for real estate. It works for customer service positions. You know what I mean? They're going to have certain metrics that they need to have every day that you can measure. And then you can increase that consistency muscle. So great question. Did you have any suggestions behind that? I think you covered uh, the majority of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think the culture piece that we're introducing with G code and some of that conditioning to just be consistent in spite of is going to mm-hmm. translate over to some good things for work. Um, we have a, an app that we use called uh, uh, Spotio. Uh-huh. And uh, we've, we've been playing with that, but Spotio is one way to, that you can, uh, that we've been trying to, to help guys stay accountable you know it you log your visits you can you can see it it's gps you can you can basically you can see what they're doing throughout the day so Mm -hmm. there's some different ways that we've been trying to to do that so but i think i think the g code and some of the other things with 75 hard is gonna really help will really help some especially the younger guys yeah now that you say that one of the other tools is uh, uh gamify Look, look, you know, if you get a chance to look this app up, if you're in real estate, um, if you're, if you manage sales teams in any, any kind of way and you have, does who in here has like a messaging app for their business? All right. So imagine you log into that messaging app 
and um, you know, it's pronto. It's uh, what's the popular one? Slack is is a real popular one. Um, group me. Some people use group me, right? And so um, imagine you log into that messaging app and you see, okay, you know, there's the messages from everybody. There's communication and all that, but there's also, Hey, there's in the corner here, there's a competition today and it's for a hundred dollar visa card to Lulumon, right? <laughs> it's, I'm buying it right now. Everybody's buying it. Everybody loves it. Right. And, and uh, whoever gets to a hundred calls first gets that gift card. You know what I mean? And you have a call system that can track that. It's, it's stuff as simple as that. And uh, Gamify is an app that we're looking at investing in for that. What you got? He's ready. So yeah, Gamify has that coin system in it. You know what I mean? And get a hundred thousand coins and it's a full week paid vacation for you and your family, you know? And it's weird because here's the thing about like bonuses and motivation and all that. If you tell someone, Hey, you get a thousand bucks. If you close five deals this week, like that doesn't mean a whole lot to them. You know what I'm saying? But if you tell them, Hey, if you close five deals this week, you get a brand new Apple computer. All of a sudden you're fighting over it. You know what I mean? It's weird. Like the number isn't as powerful as we think it is. You know, it's, it's, it's the gift, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Have you guys, uh, has anybody ever read uh giftology? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a huge one. Like when it comes to building teams and culture and everything, uh, I actually, one of our new hires that we just hired, I, uh, have her putting together benchmarks for salespeople, right? And in those benchmarks, when they hit, like, let's just say 30 deals, um, we automatically give them a gift, not on their birthday, not on their anniversary. You know what I mean? And to them, it's random, right? There's the, they don't know about this, you know what I'm saying? And so, and it's not just like gift cards and stuff like that. It's something that my admin has researched their social media and like gotten them something that's important to them, you know, and it's coming from the company as a whole. You know, so that's, that means so much more than just like a bonus check at Christmas, right? Or a birthday cake or, you know, what, whatever the things that are expected, you know what I mean? When it's random like that. And if you read Giftology, he talks all about that. And it, you know, some of you that are like hunting down clients and stuff, that's a big deal too, you know, especially if they're not your client yet. And you take the time to learn about their life and, you know, what they love. And then you get them a gift that supports that. You know what I mean? That means so much more than calling them 20 times. You know what I'm saying? So I would definitely encourage you guys to do that. Does anybody else have any questions? Just add one more. The, the problem that was brought up, Josh Thomas, by the way, uh, the problem that was brought up about, well, young kid gets distracted and car problems or whatever. Uh, one of the best ways I've found to combat that is uh, from a community group perspective is daily huddles in the morning, uh, even though I'm not a morning person, and it sucks, but you have to do it. Uh, get together, celebrate the wins, tell me something good, it's about business or not, what are you struggling with, what are your goals for today? Daily huddle. And then 
the personal accountability at the end of the day is the end of day report. And somewhere in between that daily huddle and the end of day report, if they get lost, you're going to know that day. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can be like, hey, dude, Joe, you blew off the meeting and you didn't turn in your report. What's going on? Ah, man, my car's messed up and my girlfriend broke up with me or whatever. And that's when you get into one-on-one. How can I help you, dude? Yeah. And just be a human being. But those kind of bookends of the daily huddle and the end-of-day report really keep whatever problems are happening confined to that day or it identifies the problem that's going to be longer and then you can start some kind of treatment plan or get them some help or whatever you need. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And then with the uh, the baseball cards, you can see because because you're seeing the percentages at each level, you know where they're messing up. Are they messing up in their intro? Are they messing up in their qualify and their presentation and their close? You know, or are they just not knocking? Are they not calling? Are they not making contacts? You know what I'm saying? You can see that at the top level. Even if they pencil whip it every day, you're, you're going to start seeing some trends in a certain area that don't make a lot of sense. You know. And then they're not going to be producing at all, and they're not going to be around very much longer because they're just bullshitting their baseball cards. Um, I got something. We, I think almost any industry we have in, there's just certain roadblocks that are going to just stop you from doing something. And so something like a car breaking down, when it happens to you like that day of, you think the whole world's over. So I actually have a list of just so many one-off random things that happen throughout like our job. And we actually will sit in our meeting and we actually have everyone just visualize it. It's kind of a little bit negative, but we're like, hey, what if, what if this happens to you, what would you do? And when you get them all like, with the answers right then in the meeting before it's happened, they all have the right answers. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, my car broke down. My mom will be able to take me here. Like, I'll have everything backed up. And so if you always give them as many of those situations as you can beforehand and let them visualize what they would do before it happens, a lot of times then you can kind of, you know I mean, have an anchor to go back to that. Like, hey, you already know what to do. And this has happened to you. We already talked about this. We already visualized this. And a lot of times they can get over it, whatever roadblocks we have. Again, traffic, asshole customers, you know what I mean? Uh, financial money, you know I mean? Not going through again, just go through all those things in your head and visualize them. So when they do happen, you already have the answers right then and, you, and we don't freak out and kind of end pause. No, that's, that's huge. That's pretty cool. I'm going to do that like Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's the whole deal with this. It's like, okay, you know, we all have different answers for everything. And sometimes it's the culmination of them. That's going to really make the difference. Right. So, um, what, what happens often too, with that type of stuff, you know, and Justin's saying all the cliche stuff, right? You know what he said earlier and it's cliche for a reason because sometimes it's not true. <laughs> the car didn't break down. Something else is going on. You know what I mean? And, uh, so Mike Claudio, a lot of you guys know him. Uh, he does uh, business coaching. He came or I hired him to do a training for our team, you know? And uh, one of the things I never think is I have it all figured out, right? And so we were having issues closing solar deals. And uh, one of the things that he had us start practicing is why, 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 okay? Hey, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really interested in solar right now. Okay, completely understand that. Why? Well, I think it's expensive. Okay, why do you think it's expensive? Well, I don't know. It's new technology. You know, um, I just think it, that's going to be a really expensive technology, you know? And so then you get to educate them on the technology. 
and how it's not very new. It's been around since the 1970s. You know what I mean? Um, but then it's like the end of the conversation, right? The, the, the close, right? If you ask why enough times you get to the real reason, right? So, so what got you interested in solar? Oh, um, I want to save money. Okay. But why do you want to save money? Well, um, so we can, we can do more stuff with the family. Okay. What are you going to do if you save money? Oh, well, we've been talking about forever going on a vacation to Colorado. You know what I mean? And then you do your, this is in the beginning of the pitch, right? And then by the end of it, you do your presentation and it's like, okay, look, over the next five years, you're going to save roughly six grand. Over the next five years, there's a Colorado trip. You at least know it's there. You may take it next year. You may take it in five years, but there's your Colorado trip. So it's no longer selling them a solar system. It's selling them a vacation. (laughs) And so you can do the same thing with your sales reps. You know what I mean? They give you the excuse. You know what I mean? We all got a job to do. We may not have time to get into it right then and there, but there's probably something deeper that you need to keep asking why with your sales rep and figure out what's really happening here. Because uh, especially in high pressure sales positions, typically like Lori said, whenever their sales go down, there's something, something happening in their life. You know what I mean? That they just may need somebody to listen to, you know? Um, like for instance, um, we had a guy the other day, he's newly married and, um, him and his wife are already having problems because her, or cause his family is going through some stuff and they keep pulling him away. You know what I mean? And his numbers have slipped, you know what I'm saying? So all I did when he asked me about that was explain to him the, the oxygen mask, you know, the oxygen mask analogy. You all guys all know it. Like you have got to go out and show up for your wife and show up for your family before you can help your extended family. You know what I'm saying? You've got to put your oxygen mask on first to make sure your production is there, that you're bringing in the income you need to bring in, that you're fulfilling your purpose before you can help your family. You know what I'm saying? You may go help them go move a dresser tomorrow or go help, you know, your brothers and sisters get registered for school or something like that. And that all sounds very noble, but not when you're taking from your own plate. You know what I'm saying? Because how else are you going to create a whole nother plate with a whole nother plate of food for your extended family to do more for them if you, if you don't have anything on yours and you die from starvation or you die from not getting any oxygen? You know, and so a lot of times when sales reps bring up those excuses, it's something going on with the family, something going on with a significant other, you know what I mean? And they're losing sight of their oxygen, you know what I'm saying? So we got to go get back to that. You guys dealing with anything else? Oh, go ahead, Kai. Uh, Kyle Oak here. Hey, Doug, just a quick question. So for the comp plan, uh, mm-hmm. you strict with hundred, uh, is it strictly hundred percent commission or do you set up it up? Man, I could do a whole freaking class on this, right? So you, you have to decide what direction you want to go in. If you're going to have entry level and in your case, realtors, I'm assuming. Yeah. People going out to find deals. So we're looking for off market properties. Okay, so you're going to do a, a door team? A door to door uh, possibly team? door, but cold callers okay. uh, as well, and we do text yeah. messaging. And- so that's going to be an entry-level position, right? Um, okay, so the question is, are they going to be sitting in a seat 
on your property or at the home? Um, probably remote to start. Remote. Okay. So to 99. Um, so anytime. So the easiest test is, am I going to micromanage them all day? And if I'm not going to, then to 99. Now in an entry level position, they need some micromanagement, right? And so uh, what I would recommend, especially if you're hiring the type of people that are going to be cold calling, door knocking, you know what I mean? Using CRMs to text and stuff like that. Um, is tie them to obviously performance, you know, they get commission based on performance, but give them something to live on, pay the bills, you know what I mean? And so right now, like my appointment setters, they get 300 a week, right? Because I still need them to be hungry enough to go out and work because we don't want to micromanage them, right? But they do have to show up in the office every day and be at a meeting and be accountable every day. I think uh, somebody said it the other day, daily meetings, I think it was Josh, um, that y'all did daily meetings, um, especially at an entry level, those are essential. But like my MDU guys, they're all, uh, so my my uh, appointment setters on the solar side and my closures on the solar side, because it's such a new product for us, they're all W2. We're, we're working on it every day. We're training, we're role playing, we're in it every day, right? My MDU guys, those are seasoned salespeople. They're six figure earners, you know what I mean? And they don't they don't show up to an office. You know what I'm saying? So they're, they're 1099 and they deal with their own taxes. You know, we educate them on taxes and all that kind of stuff, but those guys are high level producers. You know what I mean? And so, um, the more freedom as you go up the skill level and as you go up the experience and you go up the sales ability, I would give more and more and more freedom, you know, at, at the, at the entry level, they need more management. They need, you need to be there to teach them to, to what's made you successful. You know what I'm saying? So um, I would I would encourage W-2. But then, again, when you get into W-2, don't hire 10 people at once because that's, you know, $3,000 in payroll a week right away. You know what I'm saying? Hire two people. You know what I'm saying? One of them doesn't work out, then hire two more, you know, and start building your team slowly, get the production and the profit out of that so you can go right back, right back into the business, you know. And make sure that you have an ability to build a culture. It's not just one or two salespeople, you know, especially at an entry level. You want a group of guys that live and eat and breathe the opportunity that you have for them. You know what I'm saying? And eventually you won't be the sales manager anymore because you'll be putting systems and processes in place. And uh, again, more management, meeting every day, W2, you know, higher level salespeople, I would say to 99 all day. You know. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. Is anybody else dealing with any challenges with their salespeople or even just your staff? Any culture issues? Oh, hey. Wait, where you find the recruits at, bro? Where, where are the recruits at? Are you using Indeed? Do you, I mean, where are some of the, the tips of the trade to find some quality people right now? So I hope somebody that works at Indeed is listening because fuck Indeed. Um, if, you're, if you have an opportunity and not just a job, Indeed doesn't want you on there. They'll, they'll flag you and kick you off right away, right? And I'm, I'm recruiting for W-2 salespeople right now. You know what I'm saying? I've always recruited for 1099. And I'm actually recruiting for W-2 salespeople and indeed said, hey, your, your job is, uh, it sounds MLM-ish. And I'm like, wow, if you talk about development in a job ad, <laughs> it's MLM-ish. You know what I'm saying? So 
one of the things that drives me nuts about Indeed, and, and don't get me wrong, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with Indeed. But what happens is, and you've experienced this, you hire 100 guys and four work out. You know what I mean? Or, I'm sorry, you get 100 candidates, you hire 20, and then out of those 20, five work out, and then three months later, one's left. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's Indeed. Because guess what? The workforce that's on Indeed is going through and just apply, 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 right down the line. They don't give a crap what it is. You know what I'm saying? And especially right now in the environment that we're in, where everybody's getting a check every month from the government, and all they have to do is apply for all those positions to get that check. You know what I'm saying? They're wasting our time. And, and to me, at this point, in, Indeed, is, it does not give you the ROI. And so, you know, I, I sound like an apex sounding board with this, but it's true. Build your machine. Build your machine, become the example, and they will come to you through that machine. And then you can pay for ads in the machine. You can pay for ads in Instagram to sponsor your ad-centric posts, your opportunity-centric posts. You know what I mean? And that, that, that's my strategy now. I got the call a couple of days ago. Hey, Indeed flagged us. We're off Indeed. And they don't even give you an explanation. They're like, it's against our guidelines and policies. You ever had that happen before? No? Oh, shoot. I've put, I put, yeah, when you start putting like, and I'm not saying you're, you're not, but I've always put like $10,000 a month through Indeed. And at some point, I've had six different companies that I've ran through there. You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing. If, if you have to do masses and asses, then Indeed, right? Indeed's a volume play, but it's not a quality play at all. You know, and, and neither is Monster Career Builder, any of these, these other guys. If you want true quality, it's going to come from this room. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to say, hey, you know, uh, I have a realtor friend of mine that's looking for a new home. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, you got this badass person, you know, because referrals are everything. You know, so the recruits are the friends and the family of the people you have now. You all have a, a, a referral program? Um, yeah, well, or you mean like when recruits bring on another recruit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was a little recruiting override. Okay, so. but do you pay them? Like yeah. right when they walk in the door, do they get paid for Oh, uh, nope. It's all based on production. So start doing that because when you advertise on Indeed or you advertise on these job sites, you have a cost per hire, right? And typically my cost per hire when I was blowing and going was about 250 per hire. And now it's like 460, 500 almost. So if somebody brings somebody to me and they fill out the application, well, they just saved me 500 bucks. Here, I'm going to give my rep, my person, this $500 instead of the marketing companies. And I'm not just going to give them 500 a year. I'm going to give them 1000 because referrals in sales, the people that you refer in are three times more effective in the first six months than the people that you re- recruited organically. I've, I've been through all the numbers. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a big numbers person. Do you give it to them right away or do they need like right what away. happens if your recruit just brings in some trashy? Is that going to happen very many times before uh, you figure it out? Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Probably going to happen about twice. Yeah. And then do saying? you still pay them on production afterwards or is it just that one time referral fee? Do they get so, an override on top of that or so is it just. We've done both. Um, you know, obviously if they're, if they're training them, they get their normal override. Right. So it's in their best interest to bring on good people um, and then, and then train them and then they get a, so we always do a training pay an override after the training pay and then a, a recruiting pay. So there's three 
things that they get paid on. You know what I mean? And where this helps is that the appointment setter level, you know, or the entry level where they're not making money yet, it kind of keeps their pipeline full with money coming in, especially if they work one day and they recruit two of their friends and those are friends. It, it becomes electric after that, you know, and all of a sudden, and if you can cut them a check right then and there, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, they're only going to fool you once. <laughs> they bring in another person. You'd be like, yeah, we're going to wait until he gets his first install or whatever the case is, you know? And so what we did is uh, if it was a uh, 500 cost per hire, we'd pay two fifty up front and then $50 per deal on the cable side after that. You know what I'm saying? So we would structure it to where, you know, you had to make some sales to get the full thing, but we definitely give them money up front because we knew it was going to cost us at least that much to bring someone in, you know? So that was a great question. Thank, Thank you. you. Anybody else have anything else for us? What about some, uh, some war stories about salespeople that you've hired? Anybody got any of those? <laughs> Justin, entertain us, man. Which one are we talking about here? Go ahead. Huh? Okay, just don't name them. <laughs> so, not all of the people who have left us to start their own oh, dealerships yeah. and their own deal uh, has gone uh, as smoothly as, as what Doug made it sound earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, recently, we've had uh, people leave us and basically it went something like, hey, we want to start our own deal. Perfectly fine. We're not afraid of competition, but just don't take our people, don't take our business, don't take our model, don't steal our training materials, our scripts, do your own thing, be original. We're good with it. Well, everything I just named happened. <laughs> um, stole training material, hours and hours of things that I had put together, stole properties, stole clients, took sales reps. Um, and this was a mom and pop with no overhead, with no structure, uh, like we have, so they were able to financially pay them a little bit more. So taking these people was, it was a little bit easier, right? Um, but basically just stole everything and went and started their own deal. Luckily, uh, we had good, good clients and they knew that we did a great job. So these clients wrote us emails saying, hey, this is happening. These people are coming into our offices slandering you uh they're coming in just just bald-faced lies about you the company you're shady you don't pay your people so <laughs> i had um these clients write emails stating exactly what happened we in turn uh, put that in a very nice well-worded email straight up to at&t corporate and they were pissed <laughs> I mean, they, um, we were actually surprised about this, how, just how much support we got on this because, because typically at that level, AT&T, they just kind of let people, you know, it's the wild, wild west, but they went to bat for us and, um, really, really stopped that. Basically it was, Hey, if this happens again, we're taking your contract. So that was nice. But that whole, that whole deal was, um, was pretty rough. And the people that left were, unfortunately, I should have fired a long time ago. Um, but I like to give people 
chances and I've learned a hard lesson Six through chance, that. Seven chance. Yes. Eight chance. Yes. <laughs> so I've learned some hard lessons to cut bait much quicker. And for me as a leader and being director over this, uh, this department, that was tough for me because I, I want to see the best in people. I want people to be successful. I want to mentor and help them and get them to, you know, just be better all the, all the way around, but it's bit me. <laughs> so uh, now I'm cutting bait quicker. I'm listening to the red flags a little bit sooner and, uh, and learned from that lesson. And it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a it's a tough balance to strike too because you know not everybody just comes in with uh, an apex type mindset or a development type mindset, right? And so it's it's one of the hardest things to to be around you guys all the time, and then go you know back and you know talk to these salespeople and stuff like that, and they're still talking about their you know baby mama drama, you know what I mean, <laughs> or whatever the case is, right? And uh, that's all they can focus on, you know. Um, so when stuff like that happens, you just have to have confidence in who you are. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure we all work in competitive industries. We've had people talk crap about us. We've had people slander us, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's not because we're actually doing any of that stuff. It's because they're trying to get an edge and it really is a, a scarcity mindset, you know? Um, and my reaction as of late has always been to keep my head down, to focus on my people that are here, that are in front of me and to keep doing what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? You know, obviously I can utilize relationships like we had with AT&T and just make sure that they're not coming into uh, our properties where our, our leasing agents are happy. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and doing too much there. But for the most part, during that and after that, we just did our thing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's going to happen. And I know it's a cliche that everybody hears all the time. You're going to have haters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to have people that no matter what you do, you know what I mean? They're going to try to get an edge on you and they're going to try to get that edge with a scarcity mindset by, t- by taking from you, right? And we can't get caught up in that. We can't get caught up in the back and forth. It happens on social media all the time. It happens in, in, in real estate. You know, I'm sure it happens in manufacturing or, uh, uh, clean supply sales, you know what I mean? Like your, your industry, your niches tend to get real small and then everybody knows each other, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Especially in, you know, individual markets and stuff like that. So you just have to focus on what you're doing and have confidence in it. And I'll, I'll wrap it all up in saying, um, it's going back to having that purpose and that clarity. Like we talked about, you know, how do you know what's next? Well, it's using the tools, that uh, Apex has given us and dialing in on that stuff and then being super focused. All of a sudden, you don't have time for everybody's bullshit because you got to take another walk or you got to drink another quarter gallon of water. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't care anymore and you're focused on, you know, you and your family and the impact you're having in your company. And and at the end of the day, it all comes down to that, right? Does anybody have any closing thoughts? We're ready to wrap this thing up and let... Let Joe loose. Any real estate horror stories? I think I got a couple at the moment. Happened. I remember my first selling job. It was a. It was back. Well, first. You can grab the mic, Joe. I am Joe. Man, I 
My first job, man, I, I I really hated it, man. Like, cause I was, uh, I wanted, you, you had already touched on it, cause I, I had a question, but you had already covered it. But it was like, man, how do you, how do you find the right people to stick with it? You know, cause I remember me coming in at that sales job, and it sucks. We we're selling like coupon books. You know? Oh yeah, get it. And, <laughs> and I hated it, dude, cause I didn't even have no gas to go to the neighborhood that we had to go door knock. Mm-hmm. I'm over here, had to wear a tie, and we're in Texas, you know, there's no trees in this neighborhood, so yeah. I'm just like, this sucks, man. Yeah. And, and that That's kind of like, for me, man, it was like, a, a one, I was like, man, I, I'm not going to do this, I got to figure something out, but then in the end, it's like, sales is what's so important now that I have my own business, so I'm just mm-hmm. like, dang, like, you need to get them sales in, and that was just it, really, like. Like, yeah, they, and please stick it out. <laughs> what I would encourage you, you tell to, them, like yeah. when they come back and it's like, I didn't make no sales. It's already mm-hmm. been a week, you know. Uh, part of part of the problem when we when we do sales is, you know, we're passionate about our products because they're our businesses, right? We're so passionate about it, and we're so we don't realize how good we are at selling it because our passion comes through that. And so, um, if you didn't believe in those coupon books, you were never going to be successful selling that. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But you believe in your NFT products. You know what I'm saying? You believe in your advertising products. So it's easy for you to sell them. It just, it just exudes from you. But what I would encourage you to do on the NFT side is when you talk to someone about this and they, what is a sale for you right now? Talking to them. Right now for that, it's, it's really I'm just taking in on the upsells as far as like what we have a collection for 10,000. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, all right, I'll create it. We'll come up with it and you get 70, I get 30 on the front up in mm-hmm. and we split the royalties. Which is 10% so and five and five. if I want to create a Argenta NFT line, I pay you 10 grand, you create it. And then you also get the back end, right? And so whenever you have that conversation, just hit the record button on your phone. And tell them, hey, I'm just recording this conversation so I don't miss anything. I don't forget anything. Hit the record button on your phone. And then do about three or four of those, right? When you have those conversations. It, it, and it's hard to remember to do it, right? And then start writing out a script. You know what I'm saying? And structure it. And all you have to do is insert their product or their idea into that script. And now you have something that you can give to someone else that can sell your product. You know what I mean? But what it also does for you is each time you make a sale, that recording will get a little different. You know what I mean? Because you'll naturally get better at it. You know, you, reps, right? You get reps and reps and reps. Your script will change, your script will change, your script will change. And then all of a sudden, when you're ready to hire three people and expand your NFT sales division, then you have a script in place. But what I spend so much time doing is taking, you know, what the business owner says and then putting it on paper and making it, in, it into a script. But then I'm structuring it too. You know what I'm saying? A, a basic script is intro, qualify, present, close. And every one of you do it in your businesses. You know what I'm saying? You just, it may not be structured. You go from intro to presentation, back to qualify, to close, back to qualify, to presentation. You know what I'm saying? And so the, the best structure you can have is to make it linear. You know? So that's what I would encourage you to do, make a script. And then you can also, like, critique yourself based on that, especially the recordings. Where are you getting those, like, where do you get your principles to making a script? Like you said, what you just said, you had the intro, like, you know, like, what is that? Because that's, 
That's uh, what episode is that, Ryan? Uh, nine. Episode nine. All right, I, you. <laughs> I walked through the whole thing. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. Absolutely. And the episode's literally called Making a Script, or also it's on my Instagram, and yeah, I break I down know. intro, qualify, <laughs> present, close. Yeah. I mean, I got them from all different kinds of places, right? And then that's one of the things um, is I'm not afraid to, I don't need to be the guy. I just need to be a guy, right? And so, you know, the last week I had my Claudio, I paid him to do an hour of training for my guys. You know what I mean? And that sounds weird. I'm a sales training and sales team building consultant, and I'm paying another sales coach to train my guys. You know what I'm saying? But he's saying all the same shit I say to my guys every day. But y'all, if y'all know Mike Claudio, he says it a little different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so maybe that's what they needed. And one of my guys closed an 18 kilowatt deal that night, you know? And it was just like, sometimes you have to be able to humble yourself and say, hey, I need some help here because whatever I'm doing isn't working. And I've always done that, especially with new salespeople that come into the company and they have new ideas and stuff. You know, if, if they say they're going to make sales on Craigslist, then I don't listen to them anymore. But some of them came from these other major companies that were doing huge things, you know, like Sitcore and Clear and, you know, those companies. And they brought in some of those principles and we added them into our little mixture. You know what I'm saying? And that's one thing I would encourage you guys is to, you know, never just take something, even if you pay for it, never just take it and apply it. Like take it, put your spin on it, put your love and your passion into it and everything you have into it and then apply it. You know what I'm saying? Because so many, I've made that mistake. I've taken something somebody successful has done, taken their format, put it into my company and who would have thunk it? It didn't work. You know what I mean? Because your company becomes a huge part of you. It's your identity and you can't just plug and play with that. You got to adjust and tweak and everything, you know? And that's why I always have my people pitch and, and, my script's written in bullet points and I, I have them written in bullet points, not sentences because the individual will fill in the sentence and guess what? They'll be talking the way that they talk and they'll be able to relay whatever that bullet point is so much better if it's in their words. You know, that's a huge deal for me. I've never had a script, the intro sometimes just to get them started and some of the closing statements but everything in between is just bullet points. Hit this point, hit this point, hit this point. You know what I'm saying? Or ask this question, why, why, why? And then present your product based on their answers. You know what I'm saying? And so that, that, that's been a, a big help for us. So even after you write that script and everything, try to simplify it as much as you can. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up with that. Thank you all for being a part of this. This is so cool. Now, Joe, I'm going to get out of your way. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.